the rivers of grace upon us, your mercy uh, to us, Lord God. Our, um, our ambition, our desire, thing we're going to keep talking about is knowing Jesus and making him known. It's a, it's a journey that we go on. Are you coming on the journey with us to know Jesus and to make him known? As I said last week, to know him is to love him. To love him is to obey him. To obey him is to become more like him. And as we become more like him, we will make him more known, more thoroughly known. So we want to encourage each one of us to be continually, intentionally, deliberately choosing the way of Jesus to live on this earth. Being in relationship with the Father through Jesus by his Spirit that we walk with God. What, what an amazing privilege that we get access to the throne room of heaven. That we know the creator God in the secret place. That he comes and lives in us by his spirit. Awesome. As, um, as, as I was thinking and praying, the, the book of um, Hosea came to my mind. So I just want to recommend that you read that book. Now, in the book of Hosea, um, there, there are different imageries and pictures that come up that reveal who God is and what he's like. And, and one of the, I suppose, the main picture, really, is that God is um, pictured as a faithful husband, a faithful husband to, to his people. And the people are pictured as unfaithful, adulterous, promiscuous, an unfaithful wife with a faithful husband. And God is gutted by this, by how his people are treating him. And yet he is utterly committed to restoring the marriage. He is not giving up. He is faithful. There's also the image that you find later on, it's back in chapter 11, where there's, there's the image of a son and a father, which is familiar to us as we think of uh, John 15 and the, the father and the son. But it reveals that God is like a good father who has been good, who has taught his son well, who has walked with his son and led his son in love but the son leaves the father. God is a faithful, good father, but his people are rebellious children, a rebellious son. But how can this good God give up on his son? How could he possibly do that? His heart is churned up. He is bur bursting within him, and yet his compassion is aroused. A holy anger, but a compassionate and merciful love. See, at this time, God's people have forgotten. Well, they've forgotten God. 
They've forgotten that God has created them and loved them and led them and taught them and rescued them. He's made his covenant of love with them. And they've gone off to worship other gods. They've gone off to worship idols. They've gone off. They've forgotten uh, the, the faithfulness of God, the amazing rescuing and delivering hand of Almighty God. They've forgotten. They've found new little G gods, idols to worship and to put their trust and hope in. in. But God is committed because of his love, because of his compassion, because of his faithfulness, to bring future restoration, future hope. But in the immediate time, there will be defeat for God's people. They will be taken away from their home and their land that God gave them to them. They will be taken to a foreign land and live in a place where they weep and mourn and wail. It's a picture of our story very often. And there's this verse, so I'm just going to look at one verse in Hosea. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. And I'll read it from the NIV first. It says that my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. Because you have ignored the law of God. I also will ignore your children. God's people did not have a lack of knowing something. They knew something. They had a lack of knowing someone. A special someone. They lacked the knowledge of the one true living God. God's people were not walking with him. They were living as if God did not exist. Yahweh wasn't there anymore. They forgot about the God of who he was and what he'd done and gone off worshipping false gods and idols. So they were adulterous. They were promiscuous. They weren't being faithful. Now, the Hebrew word uh, for knowledge is much, much more than intellectual understanding, knowing something. It includes relationship, knowing, a deep knowing. God wants his people to know him and to experience him, to experience his love. So it's not just knowing about someone. It's not just knowing about someone's love, but it's knowing someone in relationship. And so I think that the NLT, Hosea 4 verse 6, the NLT expresses it um, really well like this. Have we lost the screen? That's all right. So it says this in the NLT, New Living Translation. Um, oh, and I just want to say this, that it's not only... Uh, Preachers that you listen to on YouTube that you need to check out. You also need to check out anyone who speaks here as well. So if you've got your Bibles with you, it makes it a bit easier to do that. So it would be great if we brought our Bibles along with us on a Sunday morning and we read them. And, um, and if you haven't got a Bible, ask me and I will give you a Bible. 
Okay? Or you could buy your own Bible. It's up to you. So, it says this. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priests. Since you have forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. If we don't walk with God and know God, there is destruction. That is what the devil wants for us. The devil wants us not to walk with God and know him because it will destroy us. That's what the devil wants to do. Kill, steal and destroy. God wants a faithful people. God wants a faithful priesthood. Uh, In Peter, it says this, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. God wants us to know him and make him known to others. So if we are a priesthood of all believers, so if you, are you a priest? You a believer in Jesus Christ? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, Peter's saying you are a priest, a ro- part of the royal priesthood, part of the priesthood of the king. That means you have got a great privilege, but you've also got a great responsibility. So what is a priestly responsibility? First priestly responsibility is to know God. To know God, to know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. To know God intimately. To put your relationship with God above all other relationships. To make your relationship with Jesus priority. Jesus first, Jesus center. Then as a priest, our privilege and role and responsibility is to present people to God. So we move not out of intimacy, but through and in intimacy into intercession where we present people, situations, circumstances to God. That is the role of a priest. And then the next role of the priest is to be, I couldn't think of another I, so I had to do an ambassador. That we are to represent God to people. Okay, God wants faithful priests. If we're believers in Jesus, we're disciples of him, then we're also priests and we've got responsibility. And he wants us all to be involved in our priestly responsibility. Relationship with God, presenting others to God, making God known to other people. So knowing knowing Jesus, knowing God is, is a is a big thing, like in the Bible. And Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. So uh, if we go to Ephesians chapter 1, so he, he's praying. And it's some challenging things that he, he prays. He says this, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus, 
So faith in Jesus. Right, I've heard about that. And I've heard about your love for God's people everywhere. Wow, they love one another. They love God's people. So because he's heard that, I have not stopped giving thanks to God for you. Oh, wow. When was the last time you gave thanks to God for somebody because they had faith in Jesus and they loved other people? That is a thing to thank God for. If ever you're short of thanking God for anything, thank God for people who love him and love other people. So as you start walking around and noticing and seeing things, that, gives, that will give you a lot to be thankful for. He hadn't stopped thanking God for them. And he says this, I pray for you consistently. Well, so not only is he full of thanks and continually thanking, but he's also praying for those people who know, who know God and love God and are loving other people. So don't be distracted by that. Right? He's praying, he's thanking, and he's praying for people. So he's praying for people who already know God and are loving other people. He's praying for them, and he's praying for them by saying this, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. The New International Version says it this way, so that you might know him better. So people who already know God, people who are already loving people in Jesus' name, Paul is thanking God for them and he's praying that they know God better. May you know God better. When was the last time you prayed for somebody to know God better? Colossians, so it's Paul again, he's writing to church in Colossians, chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. And it's a very similar thing he's saying, but worth going over. So, are you challenged by this? So we have not stopped praying for you. Wow. Since the first we heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honour and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Like Knowing God isn't enough. We need to move forward because there's more to know and to know him better and better. So I want to know Jesus and make him known but we don't ever stop knowing. It only gets more deeper and wider and richer and intimate. We are on a lifelong journey, a lifelong eternal journey of knowing him. How exciting. So let's pursue him. And so we, I mentioned about uh, what Lynn said about getting revelation in the NIV, it speaks about spiritual wisdom. And here in NLT, it said, um, what did it say? Insight. But in the New International Version, it says, revelation, a previously unknown fact that has been disclosed. It's been made known. I didn't know it before. I didn't see it before. I didn't get it before. But now I see it. Now I get it. Oh, wow. 
I didn't know it before, but I know it now. It is a spiritual penny-dropping moment that brings light and clarity and insight. And you just go, wow, I've never seen that before. I've never heard that before. Lynn has been following the Lord Jesus for a long time. I know she's been reading her Bible for a long time. But this week, she read something in the Bible that she's read before and just thought, wow, I didn't see that before. I didn't get it before. Wow, it's real. That's stirred. That's because Lynn is hungry and thirsty for knowing her Lord and Saviour better and better. She hasn't gone, oh, you know, I've got my ticket to heaven, that's all right. She presses on to know him, to meet with him, to hear from him. We don't just have the historical apostle Paul to marvel at. We've got Lynn to marvel at as well. No pressure, but keep on. Keep on, good and faithful servant. Wisdom. So there's, there's, there's spiritual uh, insight, revelation, wisdom. Dictionary definition of wisdom is the ability to make good judgments based on experience, knowledge, and understanding. So I just want us to think about wisdom for a little bit. And um, this is my, if you like, my insight, my revelation that I believe I've received uh, about wisdom. So you can disagree with it if you want. I'm not precious about it, but for me, it makes sense. I think there are four types of wisdom. Okay, four types of wisdom. Um, so that's uh, worldly wisdom, godly wisdom, and spiritual wisdom. Right, you're right, I was never any good at maths. That's only three, Rich. Worldly wisdom, godly wisdom, and spiritual wisdom. So two worldly wisdoms. So the first is this. Worldly wisdom that is natural, that is good, that has got its origins in our creator, God. So the wisdom that is there is truth and it's good. And then there's the worldly wisdom that I see that is sinful and demonic and it's lies. Okay? So a natural, supernatural Wisdom of God in the world that we live in. And we will know that there is wisdom from the sin, evil and demonic that is going around. If we've got eyes to see, if we've got ears to hear, there's loads of stuff that is ungodly, unrighteous, that's being peddled as being good and right. And if you don't agree with it, you're terrible, you're wrong, and this is so good. Just a little silly one. You hear the, like, we used to, kids, here's this, but anyway, it comes to me when we're praying. The kids would go, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. What is that saying? The wisdom of the world is that no one else can control me. No one else can tell me what to do. I'm my own boss. I do life my own way. So what does that sound like? It sounds remarkably like sin to me. Like, I don't have to listen to anyone. What is happening? Satan's at work. He's bringing people away from community into individualistic living. I, it's my life, my body. I can do what I want. That is worldly wisdom. Godly wisdom is, Jesus, you're the boss of me. 
Jesus, you're the boss of me, and I will do exactly what you say. You're the boss of me. I've got no problem. I've made such a mess of my life without you. I need help, mate. I'm not convinced anymore that I know everything and that everything is right. I'm happy to repent from my stupid, sinful, wicked, evil ways and embrace the truth of God. See, that is wisdom. That is wisdom. And then, so then there's a godly wisdom. So godly wisdom. That is gained, gained wisdom. It's gained. You gain wisdom as you walk with God as you read the word, as you spend time with mature believers, you gain wisdom. You become wise by who you hang around with. So if you hang with God and God's people and God's word, you will get wise. It will be a godly wisdom. And then I see a supernatural wisdom um, that is the impartation of wisdom. And it's just given. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives to all without finding fault. Okay? Or if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you and he won't rebuke you for asking. Oh, I need wisdom. Well, there you go. Impartation of supernatural wisdom. So we seek wisdom through a godly relationship, but there are just times when we just need wisdom and we need it now and supernaturally we can get that. So, godly wisdom, spiritual wisdom is supernatural whether it's gained or given. We need to keep an eye out for worldly wisdom. Is it really good and true or is it a, a big fat hairy lie that what, how can people say that and everyone's believing it? Just because everyone believes it doesn't make it true. We can be sincere in our beliefs, but we can be sincerely wrong. So we need to weigh it up against what God's word is saying. What I've discovered is this. Uh, in my own life and in other people's lives, is that wisdom does now what it will be satisfied with or pleased with later on in life. So if you do something out of wisdom, you won't regret it in the long run you'll be pleased and satisfied that you've done it. But if we follow our feelings, our emotions, they will drive us to do whatever it takes to avoid or alleviate pain, discomfort, distress, or even a dislike. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm not feeling it. I don't feel like doing that, so I'm not going to do it. Well, you won't be pleased or satisfied with those decisions that you make. I know so many people and myself who have regretted following the wisdom of feeling. Right? If it feels good, do it. No, think about it. Speak to God about it. Speak to godly people about it. Read the word, then do it. Don't just do it. Like, do it on purpose, do it intentionally, do it thoughtfully, do it prayerfully, do it in submission to other people, then do it. Now, I'm not saying that God can't speak to us through um, our, our feelings, but submitted feelings and submitted emotions are very different from unrestrained, I'm going to do what I feel like. It's completely different. So, yes, God can work through anything that is submitted 
and willing, given to him. So, there is a way of wisdom that Jesus wants us to follow in relationship with him. And so I just want to give a plug here for the book of Proverbs. If you've never read Proverbs, or even if you had, have read it, like, do it again. And if you want to be inspired by someone to read Proverbs, ask Uncle David here. He, he, he loves to quote a proverb or two. Like, because, because he's read it, and because he's thought about it, and because he's trying to apply it to his life. Okay? So notice when God is at work in someone else and think, oh, I'm going to listen to them about that. It might not be every part of their life is sorted at this moment, but they've, they've got a handle on that. I'm going to nick a bit of that. I'm going to get a bit of that. And then I'll become well-rounded and whole and everyone else will be out lopsided. But I'll do well because I'm going to learn from them. Yeah? Okay. So the point of praying for spiritual wisdom... The point for praying for spiritual insight, the point for praying for revelation, the point for praying for understanding is what? That we might know God. That we might know know God better. That we might know God better and better and better and better and more, much more better up. (laughs) If we are utterly convinced that we need to know Jesus and make him known, if we're convinced of that, then we will act on it. Then we will live it. Then we will give our whole selves to it. And Jesus uh, will bleed through us and into the world that we live, the people that we work with, the people we spend time with. We'll make a heaven of difference. So it's important for us to know Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it is our very life. It is. Uh, <laughs> so, as I said, last week I said I was going to talk about the things that are coming against us from knowing Jesus. Well, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I haven't got there yet. To know him, to grow in greater intimacy, connection, union, uh, Uh, experience of him, biblical truth of him, the word of God, a relationship with him. It's got to be our priority. So let's, um, let me just say, yeah, okay. Genesis chapter four, right? Genesis chapter four, we look at one, one to six. It says this. So it's talking about Adam and Eve, we've had a glimpse of the garden already. Adam and Eve, and um, yeah. So now Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, and named him Abel. So you've got Cain, you've got Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. 
This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. So, I, I, I honestly don't know what was going on there with, uh, with animals and, har- and grain harvest and stuff like that. But what God is saying is, you're doing something wrong. God knows, God sees. See, we judge by outward judgment, but God knows the heart and God sees what's going on. And God knew that there was something going on in Cain. God knows when something is going on. And I believe by his grace, he will warn us and give us a heads up. We can be alert to his warning and obedient to it, know him, obey him, or we can go, yeah, I know what you're saying, Lord, however. And so Cain is angry, Cain is dejected, he's naffed off with God, and God says this, watch out, watch out, sin is crouching at the door. Sin is crouching at the door of your life. Sin is crouching at the door of your life and it wants to, better read this, it's eager to control you. Sin wants to have you. That's what he's saying to Cain. That's what he's saying to us. Sin wants to have you. But you must subdue it and be its master. I couldn't help it. I just did it. It's so out of character. Yes, you can, and it's revealing your character. Right? Yes, you can help it. Uh, where is it? 1 Corinthians 10, 13-ish. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to all people. God will help you or provide a way for you to stand up under the temptation, like so that you don't fall. The only way we can master sin is by submitting to him who is Lord. When we submit to the Lord, we can then master sin that is crouching at the door of our lives, wanting to have us. He didn't uh, respond well, Cain. He went out the next day and killed his brother. Now, we may not have killed our brother or our sister physically, but with words that we say and things that we think and attitudes that we've got and things that we do, in one sense, spiritually, that's exactly what we've done to them. God is saying to us, look, be alert, wake up, sin is crouching at the door of your life and it wants to have you, but you must master it. You must master it. Otherwise, sin is going to run riot in your life. You are going to get yourselves into a right mess. You're going to get yourself into a pickle. No one likes getting into a pickle, do they? So if you want to live well, choose me. Follow me. Do what I say. When there's something wrong, 
when we're not doing right, let us allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin, to convict us of what we're not doing right. He will provide a way out. He will present us with a better option so that we can stop those things that we are still doing that we shouldn't be doing and start doing different things that will bring a big smile to God's face. See, we can, do, we can make the choice. We can do things that please our Lord and Saviour or we can do things that please ourselves and the choice and decision are ours. I'm going to end there and maybe next week we might think about some other things as well maybe not but what what i am more concerned with doing is is saying what i believe the lord wants us to say what wants me to say and what he wants us to hear so if you're if you've been here for the last four weeks that i've spoken you might think oh he's saying the same thing over and over again in different ways using different bits of the bible yes i'm fully aware of that and there's a reason for it, okay? We want us to know Jesus and to make him known. Okay. So, Father, we thank you um, for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for each other. And, Lord, help us to journey with you. Help us, Lord, we pray. I ask, Lord God, that you would whet our appetites for you, that you would give us a thirst for you, that you would give us a hunger for you. Lord, that where we're dry and thirsty, where we're weary, where we've given up, where we've lost heart, where we're going through the motions, Lord, have mercy upon us, we pray. Lord, have mercy. Where we are putting other things before you, whether that's a hurt or a habit or a hang-up or a desire. Lord, help us. Give us the wisdom and the, the revelation to know what to do so that we might know you better. Amen.